You're listening to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger talking the tournament. Well, my bracket's uh, totally messed up. Is yours surviving at all? No, pretty, pretty terrible. I have, in years past, done really, really well um, in bracket challenges and tournaments. I'm in a big one every year. Um, it's like a $30 entry fee, and I have never won it, but I've placed several times. And like, I think the most I ever won was like 800 bucks from coming in second place or something like that. I think I finished in fourth place my uh, freshman year of college. And so I paid 30 bucks to get in. And then I ended up walking away with like $350, which in college is, college like is a lot of money. Billion dollar. Yeah. Like huh. I was walking around like Wolf of Wall Street. So, um, so I, and I think I've actually in that one. So like I was a freshman in college, like 11, 12 years ago. So like in that one, I have made money, which the top seven make money every year. I have made money like, like half the time, like six of the 11 years or five of the 10 years, something like that. So I typically do pretty well. I'm not even close this time. Like I am, I am so far down. I, my final four is not terrible. But um, I mean, I've got three of the four teams still there, and, and I feel decent about all of them. But yeah, the rest of the tournament is awful, and I I think it's because I mean nobody knew anything about any of these teams yeah. because nobody played an out of conference schedule. So like you know, kind of what you know a bunch of people say about a bunch of different conferences, right? Like, well, if you rank a bunch of teams high at the beginning of the year, I mean, it happens every year in football, like Auburn. Sure finishes the year every year with five losses and somehow they're ranked back up in the top 25 to start the year. And so everybody in the SEC gets a, a win against an Auburn team. That's going to finish with five losses again at the end right. of the year. And so like, it's kind of the same thing. Like all these big 10 teams were rated really high and now they're all crapped out of the tournament minus Michigan. The ACC has nobody left minus Florida state and then Syracuse who people said shouldn't even have been in there. And so nobody had a clue I mean, when you were picking some of these matchups, like, did you, I mean, you hadn't watched any of these games this year, right. you know, like I, Oral just, Roberts, please. right. Nobody thought I actually had you, never even heard of them, let alone watched them. You mix in some massive upsets like that and stuff like that, you know, which we'll get into and yeah, you've got a, a tournament where on ESPN, my bracket is in the 42, 42, 42nd percentile. Um, oh. Again, my final four could end up being pretty good. I think we have the same final four. We do. The only yeah. team we blew it against or blew it on is Illinois, an- another Big Ten team that that screwed us over. Um, Illinois I know is- not to bet on uh, the Big Ten. Do you know that <laughs> I had a uh, Facebook memory pop up from like, I don't know, 2012, something like that. And it was like, of course, I should know not to bet on Ohio State because they're going to ruin my bracket. And literally the night before, Ohio State had ruined my bracket yeah. this year too. And I was like, damn, I don't learn. Yeah, I, I was watching that game in the first round and just thinking like, oh, they'll come back and win. No big deal, yeah. no big deal. And that was not the case. When they lost, I thought, okay, I great. I betting you know? more on them when Oral Roberts was up thinking like, oh, this is going to swing in my favor for sure. Well, I was thinking like that's not such a bad thing because now it almost guarantees that Illinois is going to go to the Final Four out of that bracket. Little did I know that uh, Loyola Chicago, the Fighting Nuns, were back um, after their 2018 run. They are in the Sweet 16. Um, So, you know, some excitement there with that team. But a lot of upsets we talked about. Obviously, we'll get into the Oral Roberts one, but Loyola Chicago upsetting uh, number one, Illinois. Their uh, magic from a few years ago is not quite dead yet. Uh, Syracuse has been kind of crazy. They barely got into the tournament as an 11 seed. They upset San Diego State, who is a six, and then number three, West Virginia. And then um, Oregon State upset Tennessee and Oklahoma State, so a four and a five. That Midwest bracket is insane. Uh, Houston is the highest seed left. Uh, second seeded Houston, eighth seeded Loyola Chicago, 12th seeded Oregon State, and 11th seeded Syracuse. It seems like Houston should be the team to come out of that region, but it also seems like it's probably going to be one of those double digit seeds that make it out because of how crazy that bracket has been. That's the only bracket we don't have our final four teams still alive. Um, we do have 
I didn't know we had the same brackets. It kind of upsets me because I'd rather argue yeah, right? than agree. But oh. we all three we have all three of uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Alabama still alive. So I think I'd change my Alabama pick um, if I could right now. I won't for the integrity of this show that uh, weighs weighs so heavily on you know me being accurate. Oh. But uh, I would change it to the winner of FSU Michigan. I will say that. Like I'm picking Michigan. I do think we'll get into that in a minute. But you think Florida State might be in the Final Four? I think that Florida State and Michigan. I, mean, I are, guess crazier things have happened this year, but I think that Florida State and Michigan are are better than Alabama, uh, and I'll, I kind of match up better. So I, I think kind of whoever wins that is who I would take. The problem is I, I don't know who's going to win that, and I and I do think it's Michigan. So, um, anyway, let's get into. Let's get into your team. Let's talk about UF. UF started the tournament with the first game. I don't really count the play-in games. So I'll say the first game of the tournament, UF, Virginia Tech, an absolute thriller. A ton of fun. I saw the girls in their um, cheerleading outfits. Yeah. Were you guys at like a sports bar or people we Brady's or something? in uh, Wesley Chapel. Gotcha. Um, and – did you stay there the whole game or did you go home for the end? An nope, absolute we, Well, so we classic. went home for overtime. We stayed there for the whole game. And then we were like, we were literally standing like diaper bag on the shoulder, ready to go. And then it went into overtime. We were like, are you kidding? Yeah. So got the car, flew home. It's like, you know, three minutes from our house. Uh, got there to watch overtime and Gators pulled it off. Fantastic game. A uh, really exciting um Virginia Tech hit a three at the buzzer to mm-hmm. uh, send it to overtime. At that point, I mean, Virginia Tech led most of the game. And so I was, you know, Florida came and um got it going, got it, you know, in gear. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a good cliche and I just can't. So we're gonna move on. But Florida got it back on the right track and Led and then Virginia that kind of whittled away. Virginia Tech came back, hit the three, and then at that point, did you think that? Uh, did you think that uh, Virginia Tech was going to win in overtime when they hit that three? Like that's just always how it works, right? I just was not confident at the way that the end of that game went, so I, I did not feel great about it. I will tell you that. Florida is able to hold on, um, and they win. Against Virginia Tech, but that was the last time that they would win this year. The next two days later, they took on 15th seeded Oral Roberts. And as much as I love Mike White, as much as I'm a supporter of his, this was a bad loss. It's not just a bad loss on Mike White. Like coaches get at times too much credit and too much blame. Um, in my opinion, like he does deserve the most blame or the most credit when they win, right. um, which I'm okay with. But does I he still get think, the it, most, uh, yeah, never gets the most credit. I'll say that. Right. Like even when they win, like you know, because you could, because the arguments just don't hold up. And it's not just a Mike White thing. Like it's everyone. Like we're so, we believe so much in hyperbole that you know, oh well, yeah, because you can go both sides of it, right? Like so. I'm watching Florida get a five second call and the the player knows that if you don't throw it in at five seconds, like you, you call a timeout, right? Like you get to four in your head. Yeah, you, I mean like that. Those are things like I have no doubts that Mike White has told and coached and everything else. Yeah. And so like in the oral Roberts meltdown, of course you look at it and you say, Oh, well they just weren't a well-coached team and they just couldn't, they couldn't keep it together. Uh, and their confidence got too shaken late in the game, but that doesn't hold up if you just look at two nights previously. Like that right. same exact argument falls flat on his face when you think about the fact that if there was ever a time when their confidence would be shaken and they would not win the game, it would be against a team that is better than Oral Roberts and a team Virginia Tech being that team and a team that um, had just hit a three to send it to overtime, and so like were they a well-coached team and they were able to kind of keep their spirit one night, but they couldn't do it the next, like they somehow became not a well-coached team. And I'm not saying that Mike White is like the answer or the goat or anything else like that. But I just think that too much is put on. Nobody was saying on whatever night you guys played Thursday night or Friday night, when you guys beat Virginia tech, nobody was saying, 
What a great job by Mike White to keep those guys galvanized. No, because and not I let honestly them- thought he did a crappy job coaching that night. Eric and I talked about it. Like, there's the fact that they didn't have a play. I don't know if you remember this or not, but they were throwing the ball in underneath uh, Virginia Tech's uh, basket, and uh, we end up getting a penalty or t- not time expires right. So uh, it's they lose the ball. How do you not have a play to do that? I don't think they had a timeout. I'm not 100% sure what was going on with whether or not they called a timeout. I can't remember. But I just remember, like, Eric and I both screaming at the TV, how do you not have a play to throw the ball in? And in my book, that is on Mike White. Like, I don't yeah, think that, that I mean, was a well-coached I, game. It, it I, was a win, so that's different. But I get that. I just think that – I mean, okay, so do you think the first – 30 minutes against Oral Roberts where they led by 10 to 15 the entire game. Like, was that well coached? You know what I'm saying? Well, like, I think that they switched to essentially the, the, the football, the basketball equivalent of a prevent defense. So, so do you think the first 30 minutes was well coached before they did that? I think it was better coached than the second 30. Right. Minutes. So, yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, like I don't want to split hairs on like, now I don't think Mike White, I, all the trolls aside, Mike White's not a great coach. I get that. Like, you know, so like, this isn't me trying to like go to bat for him. What I'm saying though is, was overtime well coached? Like, did he do a good job of galvanizing his guys after that a uh, game tying three point shot had just been hit? Like, did he do a good job there? Yeah. And and if you know, so like that's and that's kind of my point. Are there deficiencies? Yes. Is he a great coach? I don't think he's great. I think he's average to above average. You know, like I don't. You know, I don't think he's as horrible as it's made out to be. But he, you know the standard never holds up both ways. Like it's totally his fault that Florida collapsed the last 10 minutes, but he gets no credit for rallying the team after Virginia tech hit the buzzer beater and them winning in overtime. Like it's, it's about Scotty Lewis's step back or it's about, um, is that even the guy's name? I I think so, but it's about how good the, the Castleton played down the stretch and, it's about this, that, and the other. It's never about the fact that he so, and that's just how it works in coaching. Like right. nobody looks at nobody looks at Jimbo Fisher's 2013 season and says like Jimbo Fisher is the reason that Florida State won that. They look at Jameis and they look at all the other NFL guys. They look at, but then you look at the couple years after that where Florida State wasn't very good and it was all Jimbo's fault. Like oh, he didn't recruit and he didn't do this and yeah, this I mean, happened. I think it's the same it, concept know. as quarterback, right? They get too much of the of the. Blame when they lose, they get too much of the praise when they win. I I don't disagree with that um, in theory. I just think that Mike White is not the guy for UF. I think this tournament made it more clear for me than uh, you know I even was in the past. Um, my brother sent me some crazy stats on this. So after six seasons at UF, Mike White has zero NBA draft picks, zero top 20 final AP finishes, the number 39 and the number 75 ranked recruiting classes in 20 and 21, zero conference titles. He is under 60% wins in SEC games. He has zero SEC championship game appearances, zero wins over FSU, and has reached the Sweet 16 once in six years. So he sounds like basically all of Florida basketball forever, except for the uh, Billy Donovan. Yeah, I mean, era. Donovan was there for a <laughs> long time. That's what I said. Time. Besides the Billy Donovan era, like you guys just have too high of expectations at this point. No, no, I, <laughs> no. Um, Florida had a run with two absolutely legendary uh, Hall of Fame coaches at the same time. Right. And that almost never happens in any, like, think of another program. Well, it doesn't. Florida was the first program to win both basketball and football in the same decade. So expecting. And then they did it twice in, you know, three years. And so like. I don't, you know, I'm not I, even I understand all this. I, I understand really all this stuff. Level of success, but like you don't beat your rival in six years. It's a problem. You don't even make it to your conference championship game. It's a problem. You, I mean, uh, this is not um, the expectations that exist for this program. And, you know, whether or not they existed prior to Donovan is irrelevant because they're there now. 
I mean, I just don't think I, I don't know what the take by the athletic department is on it, but I mean, we all know that football is king, and that's kind of where but everything rides. Florida right? did has done a um, exceptional job. It started with Jeremy Foley, but I do think that it has continued um, with Strickland that they are not just a football school. Florida wins national championships in lots of sports on a regular basis. And that is something that they pride themselves on. So if that's something you're going to pride them yourself on basketball, if, if football is King basketball is Prince, right? So you got to step your game up. Yeah. And, I and mean, six years is enough time to figure it out, you know, and, and he has had the benefit of getting now the last two years, have been terrible recruiting wise for Florida. But prior to that, uh, Mike White has actually been a better recruiter overall than Billy Donovan was, which is interesting because Billy Donovan did more with less and uh, White is kind of wasting away some of this talent that he has had, but he does have the benefit. Unlike schools like Duke, Kentucky, you know, the, these traditional powers where most of their guys are one and done. He hasn't even had that as an issue and he still can't figure it out. Well, and that's the other, I mean, that's a pro, that's both a pro and a con well, for Mike White. Not talented enough to go to the NBA. Well, because yeah, like one and done, right it's a totally different game now. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Mike White is anywhere close to die. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I mean, you even look at like all these other programs, like you did you see how bad stay. you're did, happy with him never being did, Florida State. Did you see how bad Kentucky was? Yeah. This year, did you see how yeah, bad Duke was this year? I'll take an anomaly. Like you're allowed to, but have that's a but that's my point is that we we are in a good. totally different era of college yeah. basketball where Billy Donovan at Florida right now would not be as successful as he was back in the day, and that's why, why he hasn't come back because he was able to develop guys for four years. There's no developing guys for four years anymore. You win now with one and dones, or you're out. Billy like, Donovan just, would be doing a much better job than Mike White. I, I, I didn't say that he wouldn't. So, like again, b- my point was Billy Donovan would not have the success today that he had back in the past. There were still because, one and dones then. I mean, it's not like, not it, was like that it is ago. not like it is today. No, I I, it was know. 15 years ago, 2006, right when they won their first one. Yeah, I, there, it was way different. So I do think that he'd be better than Mike White. But I don't think he'd be as good as Billy Donovan was back in the day. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's not something we can really test. But I just – Florida is not um, – doesn't want to be a mediocre, a mediocre basketball school. And currently, well, clearly they do because they don't – mediocre basketball school. Clearly, they do because they're not making any changes. I mean, he's yeah. not going anywhere well, this year. And, you know, I thought – You uh, don't want Florida to, to be this- a mediocre basketball school. But Florida doesn't seem to care at all. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> I, I agree. Um. I thought prior to this tournament that there was 0% chance he was going anywhere because of COVID and he lost Keontae and, you know, whatever else. But I, I don't know. I That was such a piss poor performance that it honestly would not shock me. Um, Who is on your short list for coaches if, uh, if they fire? I have zero idea. My dad <laughs> called and asked me that because my dad's like, all right, so Mike White's getting fired. Who are we uh, replacing him with? I'm like, Dad, I don't know. I don't know that he's getting fired. He's like, oh, God, he has to get fired after that. I don't I don't I mean, think he is getting fired. I don't have – it's not so much the loss to me. It's the way they lost. It, they, they squandered that game away. They led for all but five minutes of it. They were, I mean, truly in control. And then it's literally like they took their foot off the gas. They slowed down the speed of the game and let them back in. And I saw another stat that was talking about the um, Florida's most successful lineup on the court statistically. And it was the group of people that were in there, like the least out of all the combinations. And that's frustrating too. Yeah. Should, should the Ohio state coach get fired too for losing as an even bigger favorite? Um, no, I don't listen. Upsets happen. There are, especially in this tournament, that's not so much the issue. It's how it happened. Ohio State was never in control the entire game. I feel like that's very different than squandering away your victory, which is what they did. They literally snatched 
uh, like drop the victory. What is that? What is that? The snatch defeat from the jaws from the, of victory. Yeah, I mean um, that's literally what they did. That's I don't know. Getting dominated by a fifteen, getting dominated by a fifteen seed is pretty bad too. So yeah, I think I think we should. I I hope they give uh, Mike White more time. I know you do because you love him. <laughs> um, you love that he never beats Florida State. I'm a big fan of that. It's like Al Golden. Like it was a sad day when Al Golden got fired from Miami. Like it sucked. It was one of the lowest points of my life. Um, and when Mike White moves on to greener pastures as well, <laughs> it'll be tough. Um, to the other side of the state where things don't suck as much right now, and we are not looking to a fire coach anymore. We were at one point because we were much like you guys. Uh, we complained. We it's it is funny and all trolling aside. Florida will eventually move on from Mike White. Like I don't think he'll ever get it together. But the the similarities between like what all the things you said about Hamilton and like all the things you said about White were all the things we said about Hamilton for like a long yeah. time, like five six years. Yeah. And Florida State was patient with him, and he did turn around to to where they are. This is our third straight Sweet 16, and we absolutely would have been in the Sweet 16. Like, Florida State was going to be a one seed last year by winning the ace. Like, they would have been in the Sweet 16. So this should be our fourth straight Sweet 16. So it is funny. I don't think White could turn around like Hamilton did. That's not my point. But it is funny. Like, Yeah, I definitely remember being like, I hope Hamilton stays coach forever. Right. So – could you imagine though, like, uh, it would be so Florida, like if he went somewhere else and like was like really, really good for somebody else, like it'd be like that's the ultimate dream that he just keeps sucking for you guys and then like goes to I don't know replaces Shishovsky or something. I don't, I don't know, but uh, uh, probably not. Um, Coach K is gonna die soon. Like Coach K, Nick Saban, like twenty twenty one turning things around is never going to die. <laughs> he will eventually. Like six more titles and he'll We're gonna tell our grandchildren about, you know, they're gonna tell us like, about Oh, it. you know, do you see Nick Saban on the sidelines? Yeah, he coached when I was younger too. <laughs> what? Um, I'm never having yeah, grandchildren. He's on title, so you know, thirty seven and I but I got to watch the first few. I'm never having grandchildren. My kids aren't allowed to date ever. So, um, oh my goodness. <laughs> I think that grandchildren are your gift for surviving their childhood. Um, actually, I'm a big, this has nothing to do with the show. We could do an arranged marriage because, like, I have one, like, you pick whichever one, uh, for Bryant and we'll, we'll call it a day. Probably one of the younger ones, but by the time they're it older, nice it really won't matter. Like your in laws. <laughs> so, um, think about all the bourbon. Um, Think Florida about s- all the bourbon. <laughs> Florida, yeah, Scott was just texting me about some stuff today. So, um, Florida State struggled a little bit with UNC Greensboro, uh, but ended up getting the win there. They won that game by 10. The spread was 10. And so they just barely, or they didn't, they pushed. So, Florida State ends up beating UNC Greensboro, but went into the Colorado game. With pretty low hopes. A lot of Florida State fans thought we'd be one and done because Colorado had just blown out Georgetown and Florida State struggled with UNT Greensboro. But the Knolls are a well-coached team, whether uh, we agree that the Gators are or aren't. Florida State is, and they beat the pants off of Colorado to advance, like I said, their third straight Sweet 16 and they take on Michigan. The Michigan line opened up at four points. It's down to two and a half now. So I don't know why it's dropping that much. Michigan's second best player is out uh, and has been for some time. There's no chance of him coming back this weekend or anything like that. Um, I picked Michigan to win this. I took Michigan 69 to 66. I think it's going to be close. But I think Florida State has a chance. I mean, basketball is weird. I wouldn't have taken a 15 Oral Roberts over Anybody? Seven Florida or two Ohio State. So um, basketball can get weird. Again, the line dropping, I don't know what that means. I mean, I do know that it means more people are betting on Florida State, and that's why the line dropping. But I don't know what that means for like a result or anything, but right. it would be nice if uh, if we could find a way to win this game. Do you think FSU has any chance here? Like what percentage yeah. chance are you putting on this? Um, I would say FSU has like a 35% I'll chance maybe. I, yeah. I, I, here's the thing. Like uh, has anybody 
well, I guess some people have, but nobody on this show done a great job at predicting what the hell is going to happen in these games. Like this is even Vegas has not done a good job. Right. And that never happens. Vegas always does a good job. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll take that. If that's the only way that we can get you to, um, say that we're going to win, like (laughs) I'll take that for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair percentage. I'd probably put it at like 40, you know, say like, you know, if it happened, I mean, that's still not, I mean, like it's 5% different, (laughs) you know, like, um, I'd probably say like, so yours is like, if we play three times, Florida state wins one, I'd probably say it's closer to like two and five, but those are pretty negligible, you know, like, okay, you're probably losing, but you've got a shot, you know, if you play a few times. So I think that, that we have a chance. It's going to be tough. Florida state played really, really. (laughs) The other problem is that, um, Florida state will win a game or play well and then play poorly and then play well and then play poorly, you know? So like, it's just never, it's never very consistent. Michigan also didn't look very good against LSU at times. And so my concern is that Florida state is going to kind of regress and play poorly. And Michigan's going to play well because they didn't play well in the last game. And we probably end up losing by like 10, but if it's close late, we'll see what happens. If they win this though, I will take the winner of Florida state, Michigan over Alabama. I, I know I had Alabama in my final four and like I'll, I'm leaving them there. Like I'm not changing the bracket, but my prediction will be that whoever wins this game wins the, uh, wins the next one to go to the final four. Um, talked about our brackets. We talked about, um, <laughs> I won't do it. I won't. There were a lot of jokes about Oral Roberts on the timeline. They were funny. If you can scroll back a couple of days, if, if you're listening to this, they're they're funny, but you probably won't because it's Thursday when this comes out by now. Um, did you see this story in the NHL where a ref has been suspended and like probably will never be able to ref again? We talked about it a little bit off air, but uh, yeah, I had not seen it prior to you bringing it up, but it's kind of crazy. So a ref got caught on a hot mic. Obviously a hot mic is when they don't know that their mic has been turned on. And his direct quote was, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get an effing penalty against Nashville early. Um, About midway through the second period, he told someone else, I assume another ref, I assume – you know, I don't know if they like have headsets. That, well, no, they put the headsets on. So, like, I don't think he was talking to anybody else. I assume he was talking to another ref, sure. saying it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty on Nashville early. Um, Nashville ended up winning the game two nothing. Both teams had three penalties until late in the game. The Preds took a, a penalty for putting the puck over the glass, which isn't really a subjective thing. Like, it's more like, okay, did it did it go out of bounds here? Okay, well then it's a penalty. You know, it's not like a right. a trip or a slash or something like that. So. Uh, what are your immediate thoughts on a ref that is like telling people like, that eh, it wasn't really a penalty, but I wanted to call one on him. Like what in the world is going on? I think that's like, isn't that, I don't know, one of the bigger fears in sports, right? That things are not being, at least from a fan perspective, that things are not being officiated fairly. Like how many times have you made the joke while watching your team, you know, play something? God, I wonder who's paying the refs. Or I don't want to be the person that blames the refs, but like if X, Y, Z wasn't called, we would have won that game. And I I mean, I think that when we say that we're usually grasping at straws, but not in this case. And that does make me think about other games, you know, is this, is this prevalent? Is it something that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough because most of the time, most of the time you're able to look at refereeing and you're able to say like, Hey, there were some bad calls and this call legitimately like cost us the game. Like there have been games that have legitimately been cost due to a bad call. And a lot of times when that happens, the conference who is in control of the referees comes out and apologizes or there's like some kind of statement made. Like generally if it's something that costs a game, whatever governing body of whatever sport it is makes a statement. Right. Yeah. And most of the time, even when we, so I don't know, I'll speak for myself and then you can tell me if you agree or disagree. Um, but I never really take the assumptive that like, 
this ref had it out for my team. I just take the assumption of like, they're blind. He's, he's an idiot. You right. know, like he made a massive mistake. He screwed up. Like I never really think in my mind, it's like intentional, not at all. But this like makes you question that. Yeah, for sure it does. And we talked about this. Like these guys were sports fans growing up, right? Like because they're dudes refing. Like they weren't just like not right. into sports. Right. You're but, not like, into sports and become a ref. Right. And so not, not if I was a ref, even if I didn't have like an uh, – say I'm refing a UF uh, Georgia game. I want Georgia to win that game just because of my affili- – like because of who I am. But like, even if I wasn't like doing things intentionally to, to like screw Florida over, like I'm going to see subjective calls or things that, uh, take some discretion in a negative light towards Floyd. There's no way to remove that in my mind. Like Allie and I could be watching the same game together and she'd be like, "Mm, that's pass interference. And I'd be like, "Eh, it wasn't really like they were both kind of hand fighting. And that's just the way that we see things. Now, if I was refing a, a Michigan Ohio State game or an Alabama Auburn or or just whoever like right like right. some somebody right. that like had no then I think I could be pretty objective and not care but I don't know man like for it to kind of be for it to kind of be thrown out there that um refs are intentionally doing things whether it be I mean it could be any number of things the ref betting on the game. It, I mean, I'll just, you know, I almost said like, I don't want to just throw out wild things, but like, it could be any of these things. The ref betting on the game, uh, something that a player on Nashville said to him the last time he refed it, something a player on Nashville said to him uh, when he uh, earlier in the game, or maybe, maybe as a makeup call, maybe it was like not even that malicious, but like maybe it was a makeup call because he missed one that should have been called on Nashville earlier. So he was kind of like looking for, and you see refs do that often. Like where you're like, ah, that was a makeup call, right? Like, you know, oh, they screwed us a minute ago, but then when they called that foul there on that shot, there's no way we shouldn't have gotten that foul call. Um, so anyway, it could be a number of things. We usually just think like, oh, they're blind. Oh, they're an idiot. Oh, they screwed up. But like for there to be actual intent of this stuff, it is yeah. wild. It is. It's it's really crazy and it just I don't know. It definitely makes you think and then it makes you think like so are they betting on you know these things on the side or having a family member do it or whatever? Like is there even a way to really regulate that if it accounts not in their name? Well, how, would, how would people even know? Um yeah, I mean you wouldn't, especially if it's like offshore and stuff. Like the only way you'd know is if like somebody talked about it and then they were able to do like an investigation and audits and records and stuff like that. But right. yeah, and you'd they never, never know. Do that. You'd never yeah. know. And and if like if I'm a ref and I tell Kara like, hey, put five hundred thousand dollars well, you can't do that much. But like if I tell Kara like put X number of dollars on this game, I'm gonna make sure they win. I mean, she's not gonna tell anybody, I would hope. Right. And right. and when she does, like the scandal comes out and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I mean it just you know, every, my dad's always, my dad drives me nuts, but he's like on this, you know, he's always been like, oh, all the games are rigged and it's all, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, I, but it just makes you think like, are they all really rigged? So, and I don't know, speaking on betting, yeah, you posed an interesting betting question. Uh, you want to ask that here and then we'll get into it? Yeah. Okay. So this is something that Eric and I were discussing. Do you think it would be acceptable for a player, let's say professional player, just so that we don't muddy the waters with amateur and professional, for a professional player to bet on themselves? Um, I don't see where there's a, uh, where there's a massive problem with it. Um, now I will say this: I don't know how relevant it would truly be because of limits at like sports books and stuff like that. Like I don't think that they could truly bet enough in most situations to matter, right? Mm-hmm. So if some if somebody like making the league minimum, like it would matter for them, but they're probably also not playing, so they can't really impact the game. Like right, like you know, if you're thinking like guys who can truly take over a game and um, impact the game like like LeBron places a big bet to uh, on himself 
And then he goes out and works harder. You know, LeBron's not a great example because he works his butt off every night. But for example, like works a little harder. Well, I mean, he can't place a bet big enough to matter, you know, like uh, compared to his salary. And then guys that it would matter for can't impact the game. So in theory, I'm okay with it. I just don't know how practical it truly is. But like, I don't really have a problem with it. What are your thoughts? So I kind of have an issue with it. I think that it, um, I don't know. I just think it puts the integrity of the game in question. He's saying, my Eric's argument was, as long as the player is betting for himself to win. Like, basically, like, you're not allowed to bet for your team to lose. You're not allowed to bet on another team. Not allowed, like, only allowed to bet for your team to win. He's like, every athlete wants their team to win every game anyway. That's just putting your money where your mouth is. Um, but I mean, it, isn't this basically what Pete Rose is banned for? Yes, which I don't think is, which I don't think is right. Like I think Pete Rose should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. I think he should absolutely have his name put back into every record. But like, yeah, I don't agree with that. But I don't know if you're betting on yourself. I don't. Again, I don't think it ever really matters. Back in the day, back then when like baseball managers and players and stuff like were their salaries aren't the same as they are now. Like I yeah, I could see Pete Rose doing it, but like, yeah, I don't I don't really so much as have a problem with that. Like you tell me like if Novak Djokovic went out, like I think tennis is probably like a best the best example because it's like a person that's um, you know, betting truly on themselves and they have the entire impact on things. But um yeah, if somebody wanted to go out and bet on themselves, like if Tom Brady wanted to put a bet down on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl right now, like, great. He sh- he's going to work his butt. I mean, the thing is, he's going to work his butt off to get there back, get back there anyway. But like, a little extra motivation, like, I don't think that's bad at all. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it would really matter or ever really come up. I think college players should be able to bet on themselves. <laughs> I mean, just to be very honest, like, why not? Like, they're not making any money anyway. Like, let's roll with that. So, I don't know. Well, uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree. Surprise, surprise. On this show, I don't even want to agree to disagree. I want to change your mind on this episode. No, I'm just kidding. I just, I don't know. I just, it doesn't sit right with me. I feel like it, it opens up the idea of like, okay, so if you're, if you're LeBron and you've placed a big bet on yourself, like, do you bribe the ref to help you out there? Like, where's the line? Well... I mean, but he could bribe the ref to help him. But again, that like, was Eric's point. He could do that now. Yeah, and he makes more in bonuses from winning the NBA championship than he would on any kind of bet. So yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal. What is a big deal? <laughs> Good transition. Is, <laughs> have, is the uh, the NCAA? I would not go work out in the NCAA women's um, locker room and weight room. That they like the weight rooms and stuff they have. Like the Peloton is infinitely better. Like I think I spent more of my Peloton than the NCAA spent on like the entire women's like you know weights and everything else. Like I I think that's accurate. Like I think I spent more on it. What a crap show the NCAA has on their hands from not only gift bags uh, but food, dining accommodations, <laughs> hotels, uh, weight rooms, strength and conditioning, things like that. Um, if you're listening, I'm sure you've heard and seen on social media and different things, the disparity in men's and women, their tournaments, like how everything's kind of being happening. It's amazing to me. The NCAA didn't realize that this would get out. Right. Right. Like, so for those of you that at home that haven't seen these tweets and haven't seen whatever, um, there have been some women from inside the the bubble right in San Antonio, which each of these you know tournaments is running in somewhat of a bubble situation here to you know as COVID protocol, um, sent pictures of the weight room from the hotel that they're all at, the food that they're eating, and the swag bags, and then have placed them in side by side pictures with what the men have. The men have like essentially a state of the art gym that was brought in to a ballroom. Um, we actually, Eric and I were looking at the pictures and he had initially thought that they must have rented out a gym that they then are busing them there to or whatever, but that, you know, nobody else is allowed inside to kind of keep it safe or whatever. But then we blew the picture up and you can actually see ballroom curtains. And on the edges of the floor, you can see where the mats 
that they brought in for the floor, the tile floor, and and the ballroom carpet begins. So this is in their team hotel that they brought this in. Then you look at the pictures and the video from the women's hotel. There is like one rack of free weights. And I think they said the heaviest free weight is 40 pounds. And then a bunch of like empty chairs in a massive ballroom. And that's it. And I did see something where they said that after going into the sweet 16, they'll do what they can to bring in 50 pound weights, which like, why do you need to wait to the sweet 16? This is absurd. And then the differences between the food, like one looks like your fifth grade cafeteria food and one looks appetizing. Swag bags look completely different. But, uh, you know, in the NCAA, Mark Emmert has made a statement saying that like, this can't happen. It's completely unacceptable and blah, blah, blah. But my thing is... uh, this is not a surprise, right? Like you put both of these together. The only surprise for you is that somebody tweeted it. Yeah. With, with how under the microscope, every single thing that happens in our society is right with, with the social climate of everything. And, um, it's asinine. Every, yeah, like I, I'm trying to, I'm trying like to be careful with how I say that. That they have completely failed. Like I don't. You have to expect that this would be on the microphone or under a microscope. Why the heck was there not just literally two identical plans? Right. Laid yeah. out like, hey, we're going to need two sets of blah blah blah. One sense of San Antonio, one sense of Indianapolis. Like, how is it? And they said something like, you know, we weren't sure if the hotel in San Antonio housing everybody would have room for a locker room or for, for a weight room or not. San Antonio is a big city. So find a different hotel. There was actually four less women's teams in this tournament than men's teams, right? 68 and 64. We live in a society that I want to be careful saying this because somebody will get offended when I say it, but we live in a society that gets offended at literally everything, um, whether it's worthy or not. Um, and I'm not saying that this is not like this is totally something that we should be upset about. But that's the that's the irony of it is that we live in a society that is so offended by everything. Like, how could you miss this? Like, how is this? Like, how did this sneak under the radar? Uh, that is what gets me the, like the most, like, that's what shocks me the most is that I'm not saying that this isn't something we should be offended at. This isn't something we should be upset about, but literally like everything is like offensive to everyone now. And so like, I just don't understand how you could miss this. Like how you could be dumb enough to let this go. It's just so stupid. I like, I don't, I don't know. And you know, I think. Obviously, um, so men's basketball is what funds the vast majority of the NCAA overall, right, is men's basketball and specifically the tournament. I think it's different for, let's say, a college program to spend more money on a revenue generating sport than they do on a non-revenue generating sport. I just think the issue is that the NCAA who paints themselves as um, equal to all, you know, every sport's important, every person is important, every struggle is important, has made um, a lot of overtures this year for, um, you know, displays for minority groups or different, you know, protests that people want to participate in. And they've been incredibly inclusive and made a huge effort to do all of that. And I'm good with that. I think that's great. But to then turn around and make such a massive misstep does not compute to me. Like I, I literally can't wrap my head around it. What's crazy too is um, colleges really can't even do what you just mentioned. Like can't, you know, they have to be so careful to not uh, treat men and women differently, even though uh, well, honestly, football operates at a plus in most colleges and like almost every other sport just operates at a loss, right? Like men or women, you know, some for the most part, most programs, yeah. if they make money, it's only in football. 
the yeah. vast majority like, of them. And some don't even make money in football. Like like they basketball at some of your major programs, like basketball makes a little bit like at Florida so State basketball makes a little years, bit of money. Like at US, base- most years football, basketball, and baseball make money, and that is a rarity. Most yeah. years is what and, is what happens at UF. And there's like six other schools that that's true for. And then everything else operates at a loss. And the reason they operate at a loss is because they have to treat the they have to treat the non-revenue generating sports, they have to treat the athletes the same as the as the ones that make the money. So because of Title IX, which is fine, like I, I'm not complaining about that. What's funny though is that the NCAA doesn't even have to do that. Like they're not bound by Title IX. They're an they're a you know like colleges are because the NCAA doesn't receive government funding. And so they don't have to be bound by title nine. It's the same reason that your, uh, you know, your, uh, kid's school. Well, never mind. Like that's not a great example, but like, it's the same reason why if you go pay for like private, uh, swim lessons for your kids, well, you have all girls, but like they could, they could give the boys cheaper rate or like whatever, right? Like they're not taking government money. So I, you know, I might give coming up with a great example for this, but, um, yeah, the NCAA, <laughs> what idiots, what absolute morons. I mean, we're nothing that the NCAA surprises me, right? I feel like it would be more surprising if they did something right. I just feel like this is such an insane no brainer. We're in a world where one, a lot of people are still home. So they're more in tune and glued to what's going on in, in, uh, the world than probably ever before. Right. And then we're in this me too movement where, people are hypersensitive and maybe rightfully so I'm not even saying that is in a negative way I just th- what a giant misstep yeah and there is no. no excuse you know there is no excuse they were saying something about how they actually formed a committee to oversee both tournaments from the same committee so that one hand knew what the other hand was doing which honestly makes this even worse right I think it would be a, at least better if you had an excuse it was like oh man the Men's committee playing those, the women's committee playing theirs. I we had no idea that we looked so different. It's yeah. the same freaking committee, led by a woman, by the way, who who planned this. Yeah. Well, then that makes it okay. Like if that was her decision, then it's her fault. Um. Yeah. Nothing about the NCAA shocks any of us. Um. But I'm gonna enjoy the rest of these games. I don't. You know, like I can hate on the NCAA, and then I'm gonna enjoy these last. 15 oh yeah, I'm certainly play. not boycotting by any means. But <laughs> I enjoy these last out. last 15 games. Hey, I went to the uh, women's national championship a few years ago um, when it was really? in Tampa. Yeah, I was given um, as crazy as this is. I was given who gave me these tickets? Um, I don't remember. Hopefully, not somebody listening that can't remember that you can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember how I got these. Um, it's been a few years, and we survived a global pandemic as well. Um, but uh, I had tickets like literally on the first row, like the first oh, cool. row behind um, the bench. I Who think was it playing? was, I think it was Baylor and somebody else. I don't even remember. Oh, it wasn't UConn um, women's tournament uh, Tampa. And I sat next to, I don't know if you'll remember this name or not, but I sat next to um, PJ Brown. Uh, who played for? Oh, it was Notre Dame and Baylor. Yeah, that's I knew it was Baylor uh, who won it. So I just couldn't remember that it was Notre Dame. The game was fantastic. Went down like the wire. PJ Brown played for the Celtics. Um, he actually played for the Celtics in 2008 when they beat the Lakers. And so I sit next to him with my dad. And I was like, dude, that's PJ Brown. Like this is insane. And uh, so that was fun to uh, yeah. I like, get to talk with him. And like, I mean, and it was packed. I mean, like it was, well, I don't know if the top of the arena was packed or not because I was sitting down so far low. You couldn't even see the top. I of the couldn't arena. even, I would never associate with the kind of people that would sit up in the third um, level <laughs> of Amelie arena. The game ended up being an 82, 81 final. It was absolutely fantastic. Notre Dame had a shot at the end to try and win it, but couldn't. And, uh, it was cool. It was it was a cool experience, and it, it was very crowded by us. So right. I, you know, I don't know what it was like up top. I just can't really remember. But um, it was intense and it was loud. And the final score was eighty two eighty one. So like everybody's into it. And um, Baylor hit it. Baylor was up by a lot. Notre Dame cut it. If best I remember, Notre Dame cut it way down. And um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I'm going to enjoy the rest of these tournaments. I don't I care how awful. Uh, 
Well, you should. Well, I went when Florida was in the national championship in Atlanta and beat Ohio State. That was a great game. You guys, I think the problem, we should give Mike White a little bit of um, slack. I think that he was gearing up to play Ohio State and just couldn't, you know, once he got the curveball thrown at him, it just became too much. Because I think Florida would have beat Ohio State just looking at their track record against them for like all of eternity. Yeah, right. That was my point in our last podcast. I have never worried when we play Ohio State. Anytime we play them, we handle business and it doesn't even matter the sport. So we should give Mike White at least 10 more years before we like ride him off into the sunset because that was tricky. Like have like he thought he was gonna get Ohio State, got a little curveball. Yeah, it's weird how in this tournament you might end up with somebody different than you expected. <laughs> um yeah, so maybe next year I'll have better luck. Um, Great. Maybe next year he'll get that two seed he wanted instead of the 15 or whatever the hell Oral Roberts was. Um, so anyway, all right. I think that's all we got. We keep teasing this. I don't know how many people are catching on or not, but I mean, we haven't really told you what's happening. But we have some good news that's coming. Um, we will uh, maybe next have show an up- we'll be able to talk about it. Maybe have an update next week if not next week, then the week after. So stay tuned. We've got some exciting stuff coming up and uh, we appreciate everybody's support and everybody tuning in. And Allie and I will find some more things to argue about next week. I'll get her really heated about uh, something else within UF athletics. It won't be Mike White unless we go to the final four. If we go to the final four next week, I'm bringing it back up. So, uh, <laughs> um, but I think that's all we've got for next week. I'll see you next week. <laughs>